Hey, y'all, it's Lauren. And it's Emma. And you're back with another episode of Community. I don't know which number it is now, though. I don't know. They're getting so high. Can't keep track. I mean, it's, you know, between 10 and 20 now. So <laughs> welcome to somewhere between 10 and 20th episode. Welcome back. So how are you? I'm doing well. Good. Going on? Anything exciting happened over the past week? Oh my God, I was trying to think because my answer was so boring. Well, um, over the past week, uh, the temperature changed, so it's almost winter now. It's mm-hmm. officially happened. Um, so the wardrobe change is in effect. Full effect. Um, feeling really sad about all the fall coats I didn't get to wear yet, but you know, <laughs> perspective. It's, it's not a not a bad problem to have, right? That's all I got for you. Just What's up with you? <laughs> I'm good. You know, journeying, you know, going through a life journey right now, which is really everything's good, though. You know, you you live. What is it? What is that? Things that live, laugh, learn. Oh, my God. My literal least favorite thing is when I walk in somewhere and they have a live, laugh, love you, sign. Oh, lo- love. That's what it is. I'm like, live, laugh, lo- learn. It's the worst. I'm living, I'm laughing, and I'm learning. My friend and I have a, well, you know this friend. We have a joke that we want to get signs for our wall that say, um, die, cry, hate. <laughs> just because like people put that up, like you're like, what's the other choice? So, so that's the opposite. We're just gonna get signs that say that, make everyone uncomfortable. Well, we're doing all the things, <laughs> crying and eventually <laughs> laughing, dying, loving, yeah. loving, all of it. Yeah. Okay. Good. So glad to hear you're doing well. Uh, <laughs> 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 um. All right. So this week we are sipping on um one of the topics that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. Um, it's a little bit of a doozy of sorts, um, but we're di- diving into um, Rikers Island and really talking about for those of you who have been in New York City, um, maybe you're not in New York City and you've been hearing a lot of buzz around Rikers Island, um, you know, criminal justice reform in general, um, the new bill that just got voted on uh, this past co- in the past couple of weeks. And even for people like myself who grew up in New York City, I think that there's just also, even if you know what Rikers Island is, you might know people who have been to Rikers Island. There's also just like, like I still had questions around like, when did that even, you know, like when did Rikers Island become a jail? And like, you know, just a lot of those kinds of questions because growing up in New York City, it just was always a part of the city mm-hmm. um, and sort of like having taking a minute to step back um, seemed important as well as we like think about how we got to the moment that we're in now, which we'll we'll definitely get more into um, in the course of this and the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say that this will be a two parter. Um, so um, this episode, as well as the next one that comes out, uh, will be a continuation of this one. But we just wanted to really take the time. Um, that is necessary for us to really dig deep and, and talk about talk about these issues. Yeah, and we also just kind of, when we thought about, you know, what's the purpose of it in terms of you listening, it's really just so that the next time you read something, you hear something, you just have more information than you did um, when you started. That's kind of like our kind of minimum goal yeah. for this. There's obviously a lot more that you can do. Um, if you want, we'll again get into that in different parts of the episodes. But like at minimum, it's a great chance to get a little more education. It was for me as well. So yeah, um, we hope you get that out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess with that being said, I guess we'll start with um, the history of it. So um, this was like such a great history lesson for me because I didn't even realize like where a lot of this, where even Rikers Island started from. And so um, as history tells it, um originally Rikers Island was named after Abraham Riken, which is R Y C K E N, um, who bought the island in sixteen sixty four. 
Um, and then fast forward um, to the 1800s, his descendant Richard Riker, who was like this like very well-known magistrate, which is like basically like judge at the time, um, was known for uh, using the island to um, abuse the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. Um, for those of you who don't know what the, the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 was, because I needed a refresher too, it was basically the law that um, required slaves well, it required that all escaped slaves upon capture have to be returned to their masters, even if they were captured in a space that was deemed uh, free men's land or, you know, they were able to be free. Mm -hmm. So basically, this Riker guy was basically um, really um, taking advantage of the system and he was known to get so all kinds of kickbacks to like folks, you know, freed slaves being up in New York City and sending them back down. Right. Yeah. So that was I found that to be very interesting because for a lot of reasons, but mostly because it's it's crazy how this island and I mean this jail whole system, like the the actual history of it had to deal with like enslaving and incapturing people who like technically had a right to be free. Right. I just found that to be not necessarily poetic, but just kind of ironic. Yeah. Yeah. So in eighteen eighty four, the city, um, New York City bought the island for one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Which that just sounds like nothing. Like, I mean, I don't insane. know what it is in like 1800s money, but even today, that's like, what? <laughs> like, you can buy a whole island for $180,000? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, they didn't build anything there until about the 1920s. And they were replacing that for then what was known as a penitentiary in a workhouse that is now known as Roosevelt Island. Yeah, and something I found interesting about that was that they built it on Rikers Island to get rid of the one that was on Roosevelt Island, which had become so like decrepit and such a bad situation that they built Rikers Island, which yeah. Um, and so yeah. you know this idea that they were like we're going to build a new one that will be better, and it's well, it was almost bad. like a an omen of sorts. Yeah, I mean, you know? well, I mean, it's yeah. So one of the things is that, you know, it's called Rikers Island because it is an island, um, mm -hmm. but it's actually a jail. So um, we really wanted to, for me, I wanted to take a moment because as we were um, researching this, like obviously I was using prison and jail interchangeably and was like, actually, I don't think they're the same thing. Yeah. So I looked into it just to make sure like I was, you know, going to have the right information. And so basically jails are more local facilities. So they're usually like city facilities so rikers island like the jails on rikers island are city facilities and they're short-term holding places um so people are usually they can be there for like a very short period of time mm -hmm. or maybe definitely less than a year that's kind of the the way they look at it and then um prisons are state and federal um and so people are usually there for longer periods of time um and th that's really the difference and so when people talk about jails yeah. they're not talking about prisons and prisons are not jails, at least when we're talking about it as a um, when we're talking about it formally. Obviously, yeah. I think a lot of people do use them interchangeably, but it's good to just know that there is a difference between the two. Yeah, totally. they fall under different laws and jurisdictions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and pri and privet priven <laughs> I knew where you were going with that. <laughs> and some prisons are known to be um, privatized as well. Right. Which basically is just that, like um, some of the prisons that are privatized, they're contracted out two private companies um, by uh, federal state or excuse me, the federal folks um, and like they're owned and operated by them. And so what that means is that a lot of the privatized prisons um, that are running right now is that like federal and state folks, they don't have any say over how they operate. 
the actual prison, i.e. what they eat, you know, the ways of right. working and things like that. Right. They might have some type of oversight sure, role, but sure. they're just like not involved in it yeah. at that level. And so they're also, I mean, that could be a whole other episode itself, private prisons. But I mean, we just, yeah, yeah. it's kind of crazy just to think to, that, like mention it for well, sure. If you think about it, though, like to have people who have gone through the quote unquote justice system and they're the, you know, they're the state's in, or the city's responsibility but then to have that contract that that contracted out just it just seems weird it does however i think in the context of this like the fact that the thing is is right like there are so many people in prison yeah, in the well, u.s yeah. and in jail that they like that it's crazy like they have to actually contract Insane. it out because we can't and so like that's another thing we want to do is like look at you know what's the whole system so there's over yeah. two million people um, incarcerated in the U.S. So that's why a lot of people refer to it as mass incarceration. We have more people incarcerated in the U.S. than any other country in the entire world. The and world. actually one out of every five people incarcerated in the entire world is in the U.S. That's insane. Yeah. So um, these are like just straight up stats. There are a little over 1,700 state prisons. There's also a little over 1,700 juvenile correction facilities, what? which is more than the 109 federal prisons. We also have over 3,000 local jails. We have there are 80 Indian country jails or Native American country jails. Um, and there's military prisons, immigration detention, um, civil commitment centers, say psychiatric hospitals, because there are people who are incarcerated yeah. but have to be in, yeah. in medical care. Um, and then in the U.S. territories. Um, so it's mass. I mean, like, that's like when, when people talk about mass incarceration, you're like, it's literally this entire huge sprawling system with millions of people in it. And what, what's interesting too with it and, and dare I say messed up is yeah. that there's no like one place that information is yeah. kept. Yeah. It's really like separated in a lot of ways. So it's hard to get like real, real numbers um, uh, that, you know, the, that everyone really agrees on, if you will. Yeah. Um, but we know it's mass and we know that there are millions of people incarcerated. So, yeah. Wow. And more stats. Stat away. So no, this, cause I was like, okay, so over 2 million people like that's, that's a crazy number. Yeah. However, that doesn't account for how many people kind of come in contact with the system. So I was trying to think of the best way to explain it. And the best way I thought of was like, think about the number of people that go into a store in a day mm -hmm. um, versus the amount of people that buy something. Mm -hmm. So like it might account for the people that right. are actually like entering the system, quote unquote, buying something. Yeah. This is like not a great analogy, no, but, but it was yeah. the best one I could think of. Yeah. Versus like how many people are walking in the store. So yeah. there are over 10 million kind of like impressions in yeah. the criminal justice system a year. So there are two over 2 million incarcerated, but over 10 million that come in, or some of those could be the same person sure, multiple times, sure. but over 10 million times people are coming in contact with the That's insane. system. That's yeah. like out of control. And that's just like the prison, like prison jail system. That's yeah. not even like other things that are related to the system that people come in contact with. So I just, that yeah. was kind of mind boggling. I mean, so basically what I'm hearing is that we really don't know yeah there's a lot of not <laughs> yeah. knowing there's yeah. a lot of not knowing that's scary it is that's really crazy yeah um so Ooh. i guess yeah right. i know right <laughs> so i guess we can just um for those of you listening who don't live in new york city or maybe you do live in new york city and you're not familiar about where rikers is um so it is called rikers island because it is literally an island <laughs> um and it's um in the east river between queens and the bronx um so I'm sure you may have driven on some bridge that I don't know how to like 
Yeah, you definitely. Basically, <laughs> yeah. like, if you've lived in New York City yeah. and you've been in a car yeah. that has gone near the East River, you have seen Rikers Island, whether or not you knew it was Rikers Island. It's yeah. huge. It's in the middle of the river. Um, it's By LaGuardia? Wa- yeah, yeah. It's relatively close to LaGuardia. Yeah. And also, it's one of those things that once you know it's there, it's, it's like once you realize that's what it is, it's incredibly crazy that you literally drive on the highway yeah. and you're like right next to records that like there are just you know thousands of people just in these buildings on this island right there but yeah and the crazy thing is is if you don't have a car which i mean the majority of people in the city don't you have to take like a train i mean depending on where you are in the city a train to a bus to another bus to Mm -hmm. god knows what else yeah like there's definitely i know of at least one bus that's in long island city i used to pass it all the time Mm -hmm. when i was uh had to go there a lot and it's literally i mean like i know on the front it'll be like going to queens Ridgewood. it'll be it just says rikers island and that's where it's going because there's one bridge um and so if you have to go you want to go visit somebody or you need to get there for whatever reason like you have to get a bus or you know maybe if you have a car i don't even know how they figure out what cars go over the bridge and I don't know if they let you. I don't know if you have to oh, take that's public actually transport. A, that's actually a good, yeah, it's a question that we idea. didn't get the answer to, but let us know if you know. Wow. Anyway, point is, you can't take a subway there to go visit somebody if they're there. It's it's hard. Yeah, yeah. So the next question that I had was like, who's running things there? Mm-hmm. What's the deal? Mm-hmm. So um, something I learned that was just very interesting was that, um, so back in the day, the city government entity that ran things like hospitals and soup kitchens, um, they also ran uh, corrections. So um, things like jails and all of that. And that was mm-hmm. all in one department. And then in the late 1800s, they split into two. So one group did hospitals, soup kitchens, all yeah. that, public charities. And yeah, the yeah, other yeah. one is Department of Corrections. And so the Department of Corrections um, are the ones who run things on Rikers. And so they put up one building and it's just really grown since then. Yeah. And now it's like 10 jails, which 10 jails? I know. A lot of jails. <laughs> um, an infirmary, a power plant, parking lots, um, and a jail literally on a barge. So it's like, a, a, a actual jail like floating like a floating jail they said it's called the boat great cool wonderful cool. um so the jails in nyc are all run by the department of corrections i.e also called like the doc mm-hmm. and so that kind of leads us into you know who is actually in rikers um and i found oh my god i found this stat to be a little jarring well there's so all these stats were jarring yeah but um one of the ones when i was like doing my research is approximately 85% of the people detained on the island have not been convicted of a crime. That is crazy. Like if you really think about, so and we brought this up in a previous episode mm-hmm. when we were talking about detainment centers mm-hmm. and being detained. Mm-hmm. Like just because you're, you know, arrested for something or, or accused of doing something, that does not mean you have, that does not mean that a, you've done it and B that you've actually gone through the entire process um, of the justice system to say that you've done it or had your day in court or anything like a lot of these folks who um, get arrested or who get accused of doing something they just literally don't have the money right to get out while they're waiting to have their day in court right it's the 85 percent mm-hmm. that's an insane number that, i mean that's the majority of the people it's there like, all and, of them and so like when i was looking at kind of the larger stats about the whole system so you're looking at the, the over two million people being incarcerated most people in local jails have not been convicted of anything across the country. So it's really like a three to one ratio. Like I looked at the numbers that are available. And again, like there's no like agreed upon number by everybody because it's so, but these, you know, this is people who have done a ton of research and really pulled as much as they can. And it was, 
you know, like and for every three people there that hadn't been convicted, there was one that had been. And in all of the jails across the U.S. That's like, that's like unacceptable. Um, and yet here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you can imagine, um, almost almost 90 percent of all of Rikers Island detainees are either black or Latino. And 93 um, percent are male identified. And so we say male identified because, you know, we talked about in our last episode of, you know, how people identify you know, with sex and gender and all these things, like we don't know that there aren't some folks or there aren't some people in Rikers Island that are listed as a male who identify as female. And that's the problem in itself. Right. Like we just had the stats that were available, which were male and female, and this is what they are. But we just want to acknowledge that that doesn't account for a lot of the ways people may identify themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, just kind of going back to the whole detainment issue. um, One of the things that I read too, as well, is that um, the majority of inmates on Rikers uh, sound very country Rikers. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of inmates on Rikers um, are stuck because they can't afford bail of a thousand dollars or less. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that just kind of gives you an idea of it's not necessarily that these people are in this situation because they're actually guilty of a crime. It's just that they're they don't have the money to even like get themselves out, and so it's like they're being punished for being poor, right? insane yeah it's i mean when the more you break down the system the more that it just is makes absolutely no sense um and you know the other thing is that the people who have been convicted that are there they're usually serving less than a year and this was just like a good time to sidebar on another Mm -hmm. thing that again could be its own episode but basically like if you're serving more than a year they tend to in new york city send you outside of the city oh i didn't even know that um and or like historically that's been the case so they would send you upstate um and so just another thing to think about that like if your family or your community is in the city and you are sent upstate, mm-hmm. you know, what that is like, just, you know, one, there's the whole experience of obviously being incarcerated, but also like when it's hard for your family to come visit you when it's hard to stay, you know, physically close to them. Um, and way back in the day, I mean, when and actually it's like not even that far in, yeah. the, in the past, but when older teens were treated very similarly or the same as adults, they would also like a lot of young people got sent upstate as well. And so imagine being like a 14, 15, 16 year old um, going upstate and how your family could come see you. And so there's actually a lot of programs now in the city called like close to home programs, mm-hmm. um, which again, they don't, they don't um, necessarily break down the issues in the system, but they work with what they're working with and are like, well, if someone is going to be and they're 15, can we put them somewhere close to their family so that at least they can uh, maintain those relationships? They have those bonds already and they're still connected to their community. Anyway, so that's just like a sidebar. It could be its own episode. But right. It's just- yeah, absolutely. Um, and so one of the things as we're giving kind of the history and the background of Rikers Island is to um, kind of talk about some of the stories that have come out of Rikers Island. And this is like by far like not inclusive of every single story that has come out of Rikers Island yeah. because I don't think we would even have the time. Um, but these are just kind of the standouts um, that just to give you just to give you an idea of kind of what's been going on and what has led to um, the most recent decision to uh, close the island or close the jail on the island. Um, So the first one that I read about that I didn't really know about until I did my research was about um, Jerome, um, Jerome Murda. Have you ever heard of Jerome Murda? No, I haven't. Okay. So um, in February, 2014, um, this was a guy, he was 56 years old. He was homeless. 
um, and he was a Marine veteran and he was arrested for trespassing, which I'm making air quotes. Um, he was he was arrested for trespassing in the stairwell of um, city housing projects um, because it was I mean, it's New York City it was very cold. So he was just really trying to find a place to like stay warm and he got arrested. Mm -hmm. um, he was mentally ill, like diagnosed and everything. He was on um, he suffered from bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. He was on antipsychotics. Mm -hmm. And so um, he had been, of course, you know, placed in jail. And when he was placed on Rikers Island, you know, in the holding, um, just to figure out, you know, how he was going to be charged to get his day in court. Um, he was put in solitary confinement because I'm sure he had some kind of episode. Obviously, he had a history of mental illness, which I feel like as a sidebar, if someone has a history of mental illness and you know that they're on antipsychotic medications, shouldn't there be some kind of like, I don't know, different process for how we intake those mentally ill people? Yeah. Well, the stats too say that about forty percent um, of people have mental illness. We don't care about island. that, though. Apparently, so. So anyway, so um, Mr. Murda went into Rikers Island. Um, they put him in solitary confinement, and then um, eight days later, they found him deceased in his room or in the in the cell, the holding cell, because he they were caught. They were saying that he quote unquote baked to death. After they did the investigation, they realized that the temperatures inside the room had reached over 100 degrees. Wow. And he had been asking for, you know, he had been asking for, he'd be letting him know, like, hey, like, it's really hot in here. Right. And there's footage of him, like, being naked, like, trying to get cool, trying to figure it out. And it's just like, I don't understand how it got to the point where this man is like in this holding cell that is over 100 degrees and like no one, no one deems it like appropriate to do something about that. Yeah. So this man had to literally, and, and the, the messed up irony of it, of that, how he got arrested for, um, you know, trespassing to try to stay yeah, warm. Cold, yeah. And then he ended up yeah. baking to death. Yeah. It's insane. It's, it's just like That's completely wild. wild. It's so wild. And I hadn't even heard that story before I was researching and, you know, I, um, and this is another, this could be a whole other episode of like, you know, I, one of the things that kind of kept coming to my mind is people who kept who say like, oh, you do the crime, you do the time. And it's like, you know, this is a man who's homeless. And a lot of times we've talked about homelessness before. And it doesn't mean you're just like out on the street, just begging for money because, you know, you just don't want to get a job. Mm -hmm. He's doing what he thought he's doing what he needed mm -hmm. to do, you know. And sure. Yes, maybe he, you know, in a building, if I'm in a building and there's like a homeless man that's in the stairwell. Sure. Like, yeah. you need to do something about it. But is putting him in a hundred degree holding cell the right thing to do. Right. And I think also the like you do the crime, you do the time mentality also just like assumes that the things we've decided are crimes yep. are crimes yep. and like doesn't take into account like what neighborhoods get policed the most and who gets policed. the most. You know, like it's a really I think and we'll talk more about it in our part two episode. But like the question of like what actually is criminalized and mm -hmm. like so why is it criminal for somebody to do that? And then like you said, like what's the actual um, solution is something like the time. What are the alternatives? Yeah. You know, yeah. like there are a lot of alternatives to to that. Um, but I also just think that the the piece of. Um, having so many people who do deal with different mental illnesses, um, mm -hmm. just like in the general population. Yeah. So you have to assume that like, even if um, it's the same percentage of people in the prison population or the jail population, it's still a lot of people. Um, and like, are we equipped to really handle that? And, you know, imagining what being in um, 
being in a situation like that, especially yeah. in a solitary confinement situation, could could deteriorate people's mental health even more. Yeah, when especially he already, without the right treatments and stuff. Yeah, and when he already, you know, suffered from bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and from schizophrenia, and then to be put in a solitary it's, confinement. It's hard to function then, with those things in, like, the, not in prison or It's jail. hard for me to think when it's hot, period. Right. You know, so put, yeah. like, all those things on top of it is crazy. You want somebody to keep their sanity? That's, like, insane. Yeah. So... Thank you for sure. And one of the things I'm thinking is you were like, do you know about that story? And I'm like, no. And it's just because also there are so many stories I know. and some of them are more prominent and well known. But like, I don't know, I've never heard of a, a mm-hmm. good story mm-hmm. coming out of right. Like nobody right. was like, wow, that was, you know, a great. I really feel like um, <laughs> that was a, a useful experience. <laughs> yeah. for me. Like there are so many horror stories. Yeah. Some of them are obviously a lot worse than, yeah. than others yeah. in terms of the outcome. Um, but yeah, I think, and sometimes that's why it's like Rikers Island is really known historically for being a really, really hard and bad place for the people who go there. Um, and even just like being incredibly overcrowded over the years. Mm-hmm. Like I was reading about, I know I'm getting like, but like, no, no, there were just, there, there are stats about like it holding at times like 15,000 people, which like it is not built to hold, you know, and all of that. And just. Yeah. Anyway, so the point is, is that I I love that we're you're you found stories to highlight too, like some that we all may have heard of, and some right. that um are maybe less known but just as important. Right. Yeah. It's yeah because I have you know obviously a couple that were um you know ripped from the headlines or whatever, but I wanted to I did want to like highlight someone who may have not gotten not have gotten the um, publicity or whatever because we. You know, we we dehumanize homeless people, right. you know, and we make them seem like they're not people anymore. And yeah. it's just it's just he didn't people have don't even look at homeless people. He didn't. Yeah. You, it's insane. But that's a whole. Yeah. You know. no, it's another episode. Yeah. We yeah. got like four episodes. I know. Coming out of this episode <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> um, so the second story I wanted to highlight uh, was that of Laylene Polanco. And so this was in the headlines, actually, this year. Um, and Laylene was a 27 um, year old Dominican transgender woman. Um, in June 2019, um, she was found dead in her solitary confinement cell. Um, they didn't, they walked in and just like found her dead. Um, but apparently, um, Polanco, she was arrested um, on April 16th for alleged possession of a controlled substance and assault of a cab driver. Um, and she was being held for $500 bail. And she could not make her $500 bail. Just to give you an idea again of like, people already don't have anything. You know, I think for a lot of us, it's like, oh, $500, whatever. But just to give you an idea of like this, <laughs> this woman didn't even have $500 to to get herself out. And so so anyway, she um, had a history of seizures. Um, she had a history of being epileptic and um, records show that uh, the the system or the Rikers knew this. It was in the system that she had had seizures before um, and she did need special treatment. But of course, they found it necessary to put her in solitary confinement um, again, and I just want to take an aside here and just say, like, at what point do people lose their medical rights when they are mm-hmm. sent to a detention center? Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, like, at what point are we like, oh, well, you know, he's schizophrenic, so whatever, but whatever, or she's epileptic, but mm-hmm. what? Like, at what point, right? You know, and so um, for Laylene, you know, her family obviously spoke out. Um, they cited negligence for the officers. I mean, which clearly, I mean, if someone goes on record of having this issue and again, once again, we love doing the solitary confinement situation. Who knows how long it had been since someone checked on her. Right. Um, and then, you know, for them to find her just, you know, deceased in the cell, it's just like a really sad story. And then 
obviously this is this happened, you know, during Pride Month and we're supposed to be celebrating diversity. We're supposed to be mm-hmm. celebrating, you know, people of you know all genders, all colors, all races to be respected. Uh, and so just like to have that layer on top of it, it's just it's just so sad. It's just so sad. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the last story that I wanted to highlight that has come out of Rikers uh, was the story that um, I was didn't know how close to close to what I was until like I was like realized how close to what I was. Um, and so this is the story of Khalif Browder. Um, Khalif Browder was a 16 year old from the Bronx from the South Bronx who was walking home with one of his friends on one night uh, from a party. And he was just randomly stopped by police um, and arrested because someone had pointed them out to the police uh, that he was, he had just robbed them and stole a backpack. And so um, with this story, there was, there was controversy from the beginning of this story because Khalif, um, when he was stopped, the officers first told him that the guys that the alleged victim said, Oh, he just robbed me. And then the story changed. The story changed three times. It was, mm-hmm. oh, he just robbed me. Then it was, oh, he robbed me um, like a week ago. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, no, I think he like he he just tried to rob me. And it's just like so from the beginning, yeah, the story, right. the story was just from the beginning. It was just completely messed up. Um, but Khalif, unfortunately, he did. Um, um, he got taken to Rikers, which is problematic in itself because he was 16 years old. Right. 16 years old and and it's and I, I'm gonna have another aside and just say like think about our, think about ourselves when we were 16 years old all doing dumb shit making mistakes like uh, I crazy. mean all of the things like if yeah crazy crazy you know so essentially um, he was sent to Rikers um, and his his bail was set at $3,000 obviously he his mother didn't have it and um, his mother actually was his adopted mother and um, he had been, you know, in the foster care system and he had, I think maybe six or seven other siblings who mm-hmm. were, who had been adopted. And so, um, you know, this woman was just kind of like an angel <laughs> because she wasn't from the South Bronx, you know, born and bred and was just like taking these kids who were in the system and who she knew needed a home. And so, um, so that's kind of his background and where he came from. And so on the night of, you know, when he got taken in, I'll just go on record to say that there was nothing on him. Khalif had nothing on him. The the other guy with him had nothing on him and they had no reason to be taken in. And yet they were taken in. Um, and so um, he went to, he was in Rikers and um, I was watching the uh, documentary just to, like, I already knew the story because I was close to it, but then I was, I watched, as you know, mm-hmm. um, I had been avoiding watching the documentary for a very long time. Um, and, um, you know, everyone around him was just saying, you know, Khalif was a very just like soft-spoken boy. Um, he, you know, had goals. He was like trying to do the right thing. Um, and then just got caught up in a system that, uh, just kind of kept doing him wrong. And, and, um, so anyway, I'm going on on the side, but so he went to Rikers and, um, he was never like officially charged. They, they could never, the DA could like never get the story straight. Right. So first the victim, like they could never get in touch with the victim. He um, couldn't make a a solid ID. Mm. And then like as time went on, he just like fled back to Mexico Mm. and was just like, oh, you know, I don't know. And he just went to Mexico. And so during the time and so during all this time, um, Khalif is still having to go through the trials and tribulations of being a 16 year old on Rikers. And um, they talked about how he had to go through what it's called the program. And so the program 
is um, they call this the program, but basically it's in Rikers how whenever you're new and you come to Rikers and you're adolescent, you it's basically like initiation. So if mm-hmm. you're in the program, then that means you're going to give all of your um, commissary. You're going to give you're going to do basically do whatever they tell you to do. Right. You don't get what you you know, if you get something, you have to give it to them. Mm-hmm. They tell you to go beat up somebody or stab somebody. You got to go do that. Right. And if you say you're not with it then you're the one that gets beat all the time. And um, Khalif was like, no, like I'm not like, I'm just in, like, I don't even know why I'm in here and I don't want to be fighting all these people. Like I'm not going to be doing all this. And so as a result, he got repeatedly beaten, jumped. Um, There were, there's video evidence, which I just, I got so enraged. There's video evidence of like, him just being like, it was like eight or nine kids. I say, you know, they are kids, but you know, yeah well-sized kids also eight or nine of them and one uh, of him kicking him in the face punching him everything and there's like co's or correctional officers literally just standing there watching it happen um and so you know it's just like all the it's just the the things that he went through i just feel like we can't even imagine yeah um all stemmed from just him being profiled but anyway so Back and forth, um, you know, his trial gets keep his trial keeps getting pushed back. Um, and all in all, he spent um, he was on Rikers Island for a thousand days, which is about three years. And he spent 700 of those days in solitary confinement. And I just, you know, I can go into detail about like everything that happened to him, but it was just like really, really crazy. He was beaten and starved. There's evidence that there's like um, video evidence of a correctional officer that he actually um, accused when he got out and, you know, people started paying attention. I think, I don't know what the guy's name was, but that he basically was like explaining this one situation that happened and they actually found it on video mm. of what actually happened and his story linked up. And essentially the, the guard was like, I'm going to beat you when we get in the shower. Yeah. And he was just like, what? And so he took him out and there's video of Khalif walking with, the um, correctional officer and like they exchanged words Khalif did not he didn't hit him he didn't Mm -hmm. jerk or anything Mm -hmm. and you just see him slamming this boy into the ground and then other correctional officers just coming to beat him and it's just like how is anybody supposed to keep their sanity during something like this yeah like 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 how and more importantly how are correctional officers like okay to get away with this Right. And it's, I mean, it's on video. You know, it's not even a question of like somebody said something like it's on video. They have it. Yeah. It's there. And it also likes like the fact that he had to sit there and wait because his trial got pushed back. Yeah. You know, like because of other things yeah. that had nothing to do. Somebody with was him. on vacation. They specifically said it was like, oh, well, somebody's on vacation or the, or the district attorney isn't ready because they couldn't find the victim because he right. went to Mexico. Right. And at that point, that should have been like, a, oh, OK, well, we got to drop this because mm-hmm. the person isn't even. No, you would think. And it just yeah. wasn't. Um, and so, um, you know, one of his stints, uh, one of his stints of solitary confinement was for 14 months, which is a little over a year and we're talking about like a 12 by 7 situation. Yeah. And also, I mean, like, think about what you were doing 14 months. Uh, 14. Yeah. 14 months. Yeah. A year and two months ago. Yeah. Now imagine you had been in a cell for that 12 long. by 7 since that time. Starved. Beaten. Um, he talked about. At 16. Yeah. I mean, not that it's better if you're an adult. I you mean, know, but, but I mean, like, he's, a chi- he's a kid. He's, he's a, a child. child. He's a minor. He's a minor, you know. And I like to point out, which is something I actually didn't know. 
1997, Akeem Browder, which is his brother, he was actually wrongfully arrest- arrested as the Bronx rapist. Mm. Um, so apparently there were like a slew of sexual assaults going on in the Bronx around this time. And um, they had like a sketch of what the, you know, the guy looked like, yeah. you know, dark, you know, like yeah. light skin, you know, or dark skin uh, Latino man. And they were looking for someone that was in their like mid 20s. Mind you, Akeem was like 15. Right. You know, and so. Akeem not like knowing any better he went ahead and took the plea because they were like okay well if you take the plea and say you did it right then you're gonna get out right. and so because Khalif has seen his brother go through this and see how hard it was for him mm-hmm. to get a job and like get back into the system right he was even more determined to be like I didn't do this so if I have to stay in here just to say like right to prove my innocence like yeah. give me my day in court because you don't even have the man that said I did this right, right. and it's just so sad that he <laughs> he had to prove his innocence and fight so hard for his justice by being tortured and beaten every single day. Like what kind of country, like what kind of place are we living in right now? It's insane. So, you know, so it's just, the story is just so crazy. Um, so essentially they could, they ended up one day was just like, Hey, okay. So you released it was like 2 a.m and they just gave him a metro card and was like okay bye yeah that's another like wild thing about getting out too yeah. is that you're just they're just like here and imagine you're also like on that island too or like they drive you to like the train maybe on that on the bus the, like the corrections bus and then they're just like go at like 2 a.m like he, they said just, he didn't even know like his mom didn't even know yeah. Benita, like she didn't even know no one even knew so like it was like 2 a.m and they're like right. here's your metro card and go. good luck and so of course when he got home he had all kind of issues as one would um, to try to reacclimate back into um, society and, you know, had a slew of just um, it, things happened to him. People in his neighborhood assumed he had money because, you know, he was getting bigger and the, the headlines and everything. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, we know you got money. He got shot. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, he got shot because somebody was like, I know you I got money. money. Yeah. And he was like, y'all don't have no money. Like, what are you doing? And yeah. he got shot in the stomach. Um, he got slashed in the face um, and, you know, while he's like going to try to figure out who he is. And so in the midst of all of this, he uh, was very determined to get his life back on track. And so he enrolled in um, community college in the Bronx Community College. And so this is where I didn't realize how close to this story I was. Um, so when I was working at one of my previous employers, we uh, funded a program um, that was that's for a program that's on uh, the campus of BCC and Khalif was in this program uh, which is basically to have to help um, kids between the ages of 16 and 24 who are out of school out of work get their GEDs and like help them enroll in college and so he was in this program that we funded and that we worked with and that we had internships with and like everything and um, you know he was doing his best to get back and tr- back on track and you know there was just so many demons that followed mm-hmm. him um as i mean yeah. with everything that he went through um and unfortunately uh he was overtaken by the turmoil that was going on inside of him and he um he took his own life unfortunately and so after that happened his mom um vanita was just like i'm going to do whatever i can to get justice for my son mm-hmm. but and it's like her whole thing was like Yes, he committed suicide, but like you, <laughs> it was murder. Right. It was murder. Right. You know, and it was just one of those things where everyone around had to ask themselves, like, how did this go so wrong? Right. 
how did this go so wrong? And, you know, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but it, it's so easy for us to be like, oh, well, you know, somebody should, he shouldn't have been out at 2 a.m. Or like all these excuses that we try to make and that I've actually heard from people. Mm. And, you know, and as I'm, you know, reading the story and, and watching the documentary, you know, I worked with some of the people who were on the documentary, that program, mm-hmm. you know, I saw the kids who were in the program and on BCC, in BCC and, and trying to make their lives better. And I, I know how good those kids are. Like, I know that those are good kids. I know that they're just in a bad situation. And at any point that could have been any one of those kids in that situation. And like, I just don't think that it's fair for any of us to have to let it affect us personally for us to care. Right. Because in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, like that could have been one of the kids. But also it's like that's somebody's son anyway, even right. if I didn't know him. Right. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I don't know. So. It's, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like know. there's almost like it's one of those. It's a thing where there's almost nothing to say because there's nothing that makes it better. Nothing. I mean, there's there have things have happened like actions have happened right. um, that hopefully would prevent something of that magnitude from going down again. Right. But, you know, we're really far away from any type of real solution um, to it. And also, like, there's nothing that anyone can say that will make it better for, like, his family or his friends. Absolutely or his, like, You know, there's... Yeah. It's, there's Absolutely not. And, yeah. you know, and a few things have happened since his case. The Raise the, raise the Age. Right. Um, and background on Raise the Age is that, like, 16 and 17-year-olds cannot be charged as, as adults, adults anymore. Yeah, New York was one of two states left in the entire country where 16 and 17-year-olds were automatically being prosecuted as adults, which is, like, why yeah. someone like Khalif, who was 16, yeah. ended up in a place with adults. And um, that's not to say there aren't issues with the juvenile justice system. Sure, sure. Um, but it, 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 it can be a better situation um, for people if, if those are the two options. Um, and so New York got rid of that. So now 16 and 17 year olds are treated as kids. And that was like, I mean, that took years. Like that was a huge, I mean, I think that um, the Khalif's case really like spotlighted sure. or highlighted it. Sure. But, you know, people have been working on that for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, that's something that hopefully will prevent something like that from happening to a 16 year old again. Yeah. Our 17 year old. Yeah. So clearly nothing good has come out of Rikers in the past (laughs) in its history. It began on the wrong note. It's run on the wrong note. And, you know, here we are today. Um, When we're talking about solitary confinement, I just want to take a second Mm -hmm. to say that um, one thing I also found out uh, because there's because of like animal testing and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's research, there's like recent research showing that cells form differently and begin to mutate when the animals are held in sol- like in solitary yeah. confinement. Like you mean solitude. like the cells like in your body, In the body. Right? Yeah, okay. the, the cell, oh yeah. There's, yeah, oh, yeah. there's cells in cells. So yeah. I'm like, like, <laughs> sure, I know yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So they, so, you know, upon testing and research, they found that animals who are kept in solitude and solitary confinement um, over time, their cells, their actual like internal cells start and genes start to to mutate and form differently um, than those who are, you know, actually co-housed. And so of, upon this, you know, information coming out, there's like legislation that was passed that like animal testing and like research testing on animals, like you can't house the animals by themselves because of this research. So all animals have to be co-housed. And so I'm just like, okay. So we took the actual time and listen, I'm not saying the animals. I am an animal lover down. I love animals. Okay. I love my dog. 
whatever. <laughs> but we took the time to pass legislation and pass laws that limit or prohibit researchers and labs and testing from having animals be kept in solitude because we know that it's wrong and we know that it doesn't do them any good. Yeah. But for people, it's okay. How yeah. is that? How is like, what I is mean, that? We know that it's not I mean, like, yeah. right. Like, I mean, the yeah. research is there yeah. and like the, the anecdotal, like people talking about their experiences is there. We just won't, don't change the system. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, one thing that did come out of um, like after Khalif's situation was that they did ban solitary for 16 and 17 year olds, right. which is like okay. similar. But like that's still anyone 18 and up can still go on solitary. So it doesn't it yeah. doesn't protect them from solitary right. confinement. Right. Um, so I don't, it's we know like we have that research and yeah. we know the situation and we just don't change. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. If you are interested in learning just more stories, I mean, you can literally just like Google right. it. Yeah. But also, there is a documentary called Rikers in American Jail. And it's a lot of people who um, were in Rikers who are telling their stories. So it is a documentary, but it's really told like a person in front of a camera talking about what they went through um, and going, you know, back and forth between a bunch of them. And so, um, you know, while of course we're, you know, feel that sharing it here is hopefully right. a place to open up that conversation. It's also really important to um, hear stories from the people who really have, have gone through it themselves. Um, they are the best people to talk about their experience and like what um, something like that, how that's affected their lives, um, what that's like. And especially, um, and we'll talk about this again in the second episode, but like what needs to be done. I mean, there has been a lot of movement on Rikers, mm -hmm. which we'll talk about, but um, you know, when we're talking about what are other ways that um, we can either work with the system that we have or reform the system mm -hmm. or whatever, it's really important to hear from people who have actually kind of been through it. Yeah. So, yeah, that documentary, I think, is also a really helpful one. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so I think um, that is all for part one of our episode on the system. Um Part two will be um, a lot more focused on like what has been going on legislatively and yeah. closing Rikers, where where different groups stand on it, and then also like what you can do yeah. because we think that actions are really important um, at whatever level they are. Actions speak louder than words. <laughs> they do, <laughs> and we don't like hashtag activism. We oh like my god, that's stuff. a whole episode too. The hashtag <laughs> activism. Ooh. Yeah. So right. we thank you all for for listening to this. Um, a lot of this stuff can be heavy. I yeah. mean, it's it's a lot, um, but, but it's, it's also really important. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, to not ignore people's experiences, especially like this is happening literally in our backyards. Literally it's right here. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, y'all. Well, that's all for this week. Um, thanks so much for listening and hanging in there with us. And we will see you next week.